Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra De What is my name? Sierra DeMolder. Here we go. <laughs> and I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like being a petty-ass bitch, <laughs> going from a throuple to a couple, and coming out without a clear label. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health people right nor podcasters we're just right. doing this because there's no rules and right. so we get to do whatever we want total chaos totally <laughs> unqualified please take our advice as you see fit in your life because it is your life and not ours uh we're just here to offer our humble musings so we shed some understanding and maybe some laughs hypothetically <laughs> hypothetically on- <laughs> <laughs> um on this incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love and life at all. So uh, today's check-in topic is actually from a letter writer whose name is Anon Apotamus. Anon Apotamus. Pretty cute. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, didn't know I was going to stumble on that one. Um, and I'm going to read it cause it's really quick, uh, but they're writing to us from Baltimore, Maryland and they write, hello, I'm finally fully vaxxed and thinking about getting back into dating after some time off. The thing is I feel emotionally ready to start dating, but I'm working on aggressively paying down some student debt. This leaves me with a small budget I can spend on entertainment, dating, etc. In the past, I've dated people with more money than me who've always wanted to buy me lots of dinners and drinks, but it made me uncomfortable with that kind of financial imbalance. As I look for new connections, how do you tell someone that you can't spend much on going out in the beginning of a relationship? I'm worried I'll look cheap and my student debt will be a turnoff for new partners. Any advice? Hugs a (laughs) nonopotamus. Did I do it there? You did. That was great. So, yeah, uh, how do you deal with debt in dating and in new relationships? I think we've talked about money a handful of times on the show, um, but I like thinking about it from this lens of, like, newness. You know, how do you bring debt to the table, especially when you, like, haven't even gone on a second date? Yeah, for sure. What I would do in this situation is that I would suggest something on a first date that I feel comfortable being able to afford, right? So... That's how I would handle it. And then eventually, so at some point in like maybe the first or second date, right? Like talk about your, when you're talking about your goals for the future, you can talk about how you are actively trying to pay off debt because you, it's important to you. And so um, just making it really clear that like, hey, I'm not gonna be able to do things that cost a lot of money in the future. Um, and I hope that's okay with you. Because you don't want to date someone who's not going to want to date you because they think you're cheap, right? Like, if that's their deal breaker, like, then that's a pretty (sighs) shitty deal breaker to have. I would actually, actually, I wrote down, like, maybe this is, like, this is going to turn into a positive, like, a silver lining is that it's, like, a lifestyle slash compatibility (laughs) gauge. You know, like, if someone was, like, someone judged me for having student debt, and especially if they judge me for fucking dealing with that student debt, (laughs) you you know, like you sound awesome. I was sitting here trying to imagine like if somebody said, yeah, I'm really trying to aggressively pay off my student debt. So I have to be really frugal in the upcoming months or years. I'd be like, uh, hot. (laughs) (laughs) 
can we talk about our budgets together in bed yeah. naked, well, you know? <laughs> I think if you had said that to Sam at a different age, she might not think that was super hot, but I'm yeah, with that's, you. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Um, it's funny. I actually thought, um, instinctually, I I don't think Sam's plan is a bad plan, but to sort of like actively combat the stigma of money and money and debt and stuff, just say it in the beginning. Like when you're on that dating messaging profile, not like don't have to slap it in your profile. I'm saying like when you're messaging back and forth with that person on Bumble or whatever, and they're like, Hey, would you like to meet up? You'd say like, yes, absolutely. Um, if full disclosure, I'm trying to pay off some student debt right now, LOL, fuck student debt. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to be frugal these next couple months. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not available to date, but I'm just trying to make mindful money choices. And again, yes, easier like said from my position in this podcasting chair than somebody who's actually sending that really vulnerable message. But there's nothing wrong with debt. And there's nothing wrong with you for having it. I feel like we we carry these shame-filled things as though they're personality flaws when they're mm. just a fact of life. Debt is a fact of life. Some people have it and some people don't. Um, huh? uh, yeah, so I would even introduce it. Try to, I guess, you know, when we're combating those like shame-filled stigmas, I try to I try to disempower them. And I would disempower this by being like, this is not a big deal. That is so fucking common and I'm not going to be ashamed of myself or feel like I have something to hide again, way easier said than done. For sure. But I also, I, that's what I would do too is that, yeah. you know, make it not weird by just being like, it's not weird. So is it? <laughs> you can make it weird if you want to make it weird, but it's definitely not weird for me to <laughs> yeah. say this thing to you. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 It's like, I, I'm telling you, it's like the perfect gauge. Cause they're, if they're like, uh, no, sorry, poor person. I, I'd be like, you're a disgusting human. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, um, what I'll also say to you is that like, I understand your discomfort with having other people pay for you. Um, and I would also say that there's a lot of like societal stigma and shame around one, like about like finance imbalances and having people pay for us. Like society tells us if that if people are paying for us, then we are like Mucho. prostitutes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> and like, right. <laughs> you took right? it in and, a like, different that's a, <laughs> that's a bad thing to be, right? Like you should be independent, totally independent. You should stand on your own feet. And if a, if a significant other is paying for you, that means that you are like being kept. Which is, like, not at all true, right? right. Again, we're going to date people who have differing levels of income. And if our if we always take the same approach to those different, those different levels of income, then we're, like, going to miss out on things. So right. I understand the, sh- the shame or the stigma that you feel about that and how you feel uncomfortable with that. And that might be, like, deeply personal and have roots that aren't based in how society tells us we should be dating, But I also want to break that stigma, too, of like, it's not shameful or weird to have your partner pay for dinner or something like that. Right. Like, it doesn't mean that there's a power imbalance. It just means that that your partner's paying for dinner. Right. And if you can if you can talk about it and you can make clear what's happening, that it's like this doesn't buy you anything like it's very possible to have someone pay for you to go out with them if they want to go out. Right. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing to add. And I'll also like tack onto this little money conversation because I know this is the reality. You can be as like uh, transparent and self-accepting and frugal as you want. It's also really fucking frustrating sometimes to try to date non-financially like or or to date in a way that doesn't cost money because so much, so many things. I know it's not impossible. And I know that there are listeners out there that are like, go to a park you know, watch a movie at home. Like, yes, there are a thousand options, but the dating world does not present itself as such that way very easily. Neither does the world as as a whole, you know, things come with experiences so often come with price tags. And that's just like a frustrating, you know, I remember when I was dating, um, when I was like 21, like newly drinking at bars. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like, this is awesome and expensive. So and expensive. Yeah. And me and my boyfriend at the time, like we're totally broke, but we wanted to do fun things. And of course, as like, as a 21 year old often do, we wanted to do it while getting drunk. 
<laughs> and and we I remember being like, God, this sucks. Everything costs money, you know, and feeling really like stuck because of it. So I, I guess just acknowledging that piece as well. But I mean, I think it's awesome what you're doing. I think that there's nothing to be ashamed of. And in fact, like, you know, the number one tip they say about money is to look at it, to talk about it, to not let it, you know, wallow in the darkness or grow with shame, you know. I think Mm -hmm. so. I would just encourage you to be as like transparent and also like proud of yourself as possible. Paying off debt is fucking hard. It's intimidating. um, And it's it's definitely in a journey, but it's nothing to be ashamed of. Absolutely. 100% agree. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for writing and listening, Ananapotamus. Ananapotamus. Just something. Ananapotamus. It's just, I can't do it. Okay. <laughs> you ready it's to get into this? Yeah, I just, you know, I know what it says on paper, but I'm just not confident enough to like say it out loud. <laughs> Love it. All right. So our first letter comes from Petty Ass Bitch, who is writing from a swimming pool filled to the brim with my own success and achievements. I fucking live for this. I also like general acknowledgement to everybody's cute ass names and locations. It brings (laughs) it brings Sam and I a lot of joy. I would love to spend some time in a swimming pool filled to the brim with my own success and achievements. Uh, I don't know. It might be mine. Might be a little shallow. Yeah. Get it? <laughs> it's a du- double entendre. <laughs> it is. It is. All right. Petty ass bitch writes. Hey Sam and Sierra, I've been listening to you guys for about a year now, and I love your witty banter and plentiful amounts of empathy while you navigate some of the hardest situations imaginable with your BFF like advice. You guys have gotten me through my own hard times and many sleepless nights. So thank you so much Aww. for all you do. So on to the issue that I just thought up in the shower as I contemplated my life, you know, as one does in the shower. <laughs> to put it as bluntly as possible, is it normal to want to shove your success in your ex's face? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Some setup. I went through a fairly bad divorce a couple years ago. I mean, I moved to a different continent with this guy, uprooting my whole life in the process. So when the breakup happened, all of three days after the wheels touched down... I was financially dependent on him and not in a good place with my self-esteem. I had so much anxiety and doubt about being able to get on by myself. But you know what? I fucking did it. I moved on, got into therapy, started dating hot foreign guys, started dreaming, and worked my ass off to continue my education and make plans for the future. And then COVID hit, and those plans changed, and then they changed again. It It was a rough start to being on my own for the first time, but hey, I persevered through those hard bits. Then I thrived, and I am still thriving. Needless to say, I've become really proud of myself and my accomplishments lately. I just got back from a two-week hike on the Appalachian Trail, something I've always said I'd wanted to do someday. Just not this year, because I got accepted to study my master's in Scotland. So my summer is booked with prep for my new life in the UK and wherever that leads. With so much going on in my life, a lot of guys from my past have been coming out of the woodwork, thanks social media, They must see me living my best life and slide into my DMs asking what I'm up to and if I'm in town, inviting me to grab a coffee and whatnot. I have a very loving boyfriend that I'm absolutely crazy over, so I pay no mind to the DM slider of the day. However, it's made me painfully aware of what I post on social media and who might see it. I did the block, block, block on my ex as soon as we were over. He was purged from everything in my life, even email, to help me maintain my sanity and ensure that he couldn't reach out again because I don't have time for that. However, he follows most of my family, and my mom loves posting little updates about me and my adventures. I initially asked her not to post about my life because him knowing what I'm up to made me uncomfortable, but now my petty side has started (laughs) to show through. When I think over how far I've come in the last two years, I'm overcome with the overwhelming urge to rub his nose in how much more amazing my life has been without him. Goodness knows I'll never unblock him, but that doesn't stop my brain from randomly going into daydreams over how satisfying it would be if I accidentally bumped into him one day and oh so subtly talk about how great everything has been. I don't think there's much to my urge to show off to the person I basically consider my arch nemesis. I think he was a huge factor to my low self-esteem at the time, so I really do feel like I've triumphed over him and taken control of my own life again. And yet I still daydream about it. Am I just petty AF? 
Will it pass someday? I literally only have one X, so I'd love to know if this is indeed normal. And does it happen with every X? Only the bad ones? Please do tell. Sincerely, Petty Ass Bitch. Oh, P-A-B. Pab. Pab. Yeah, I think this is pretty normal. (laughs) Do you, Sam? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Especially with those X's that really fucked with your head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did think it was interesting, though. I, like, gave a a TLDR summary of this letter to my spouse, um, who is, like, a very uh, independent, um, stably attached person who doesn't, like, deal, who doesn't look back. She is, like, a really strong inner compass. And she was like, why do people are, spend so much time thinking about their exes? And I was like, I do not understand you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we just are, I think that she found it, like, you and I were like, this is totally normal. But I'm bringing up my wife's response because I do think that there is a certain, probably a smaller part of the population that when they're done, they're done. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, like when I'm done, I'll think about you for the next seven years and probably write a book about you. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then publish that book and then send it to you, to your public library so that you see it there. You know, just kidding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that's good. That's a good idea. We should do that. Before we like actually give any more like commentary, um, let's let's ask each other, like, what is the fantasy what is your version of the fantasy of meeting somebody on the street and being able to tell them like how good you are? Um, I mean, I think that that's, that's it. That's mostly it. Or that I will go out with people who used to be mutual friends with me and my ex. And they're like, Oh, we don't see him anymore. We just only want to be friends with you. <laughs> that's the, that's the dream. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that is so funny and petty <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, yep, yep. I think my fantasy would probably be similar, um, except for I feel like I'm living my fantasy. I like honestly, I think I I talked about this last episode that I I do not want to give people false hope when they want to get back with their exes because Willow and I are technically exes, you know, of of 12 years in between those relationships. Um, But I fucking for sure used to like imagine, especially when I kept her in my heart, like before, before I blocked her and unfriended her on Facebook, before I felt like we were never going to get back together, there was probably like a three to five year period after our our breakup that I was like, I'm a published author now. Look at me. I know how to wash my own clothes. I can uh-huh. drink a bottle of wine without puking. You know, like, <laughs> you know, there was all in my mind. I was like, I'm just like a totally different person. I'm the mm-hmm. person that you wanted me to be, be, be and I became them so that you would potentially want me back sort of bullshit, sort of like weird sad fantasy that I had over us getting back together. Um, and now we did. And it worked. So. <laughs> <laughs> it worked, but like uh, in none of the ways that that fantasy said it was going to. Yeah. And in fact, she- <laughs> I was so humbled by life that by the time I got this opportunity to like actually see her again, I was like, I am so sorry for all those times <laughs> I tried to convince you that I was a different person. <laughs> Anyway, you mean she didn't look at you and she wasn't like, oh, man, this girl can do her laundry now. Yeah. I need to get back with her. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Anyway, so petty ass bitch, you're this is pretty normal, I think. I think it's super normal. And I think like the advice that I would give you is to not. Not like internalize this too much. Yeah, right? like I totally agree. Like, I think it's. I think where we can go wrong sometimes is if we're like, oh, my God, I'm such a horrible person because I'm being so petty about this or like or also at the same time, like giving into that pettiness. Right. Like it sounds like you're doing a good job of being like this was like a shower thought and I'm not going to I'm not going to unblock him. But like I kind of do want this to happen, which is like great. Like 
it's naming like how, the things that we're feeling or thinking is not a bad thing. It's just it's, when we start to like act on them that we yeah. we get well, ourselves in trouble. Say, it's, it's like how there's a difference between our sexual fantasies and our actual like sex life, the things we want to yeah. do in reality. Like shower right. thoughts are our fantasies, you know, the, yes, exactly. where we fantasize like this petty interaction, you know, like I have for sure daydreamed about... Um, like having future success on maybe this podcast or publishing another book and my ex being like, damn, she's still out there. <laughs> but that's a shower fantasy. That is not why I would publish a book or have a good podcast with my friend. <laughs> right. um, and then there's like real life executions, which is like you go to Scotland to pursue your master's because you're a badass and that's what you want to do to fulfill your life. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes our, our pettiness can get in the way of our own awesomeness too, right? Like you didn't, you didn't do all the shit to prove him wrong, right? Like you did all the shit because you are badass and you were like doing the things that you wanted to do and, and really showing, showing a lot of strength and resiliency in a really difficult time. Mm. So like, don't, don't give him the credit for this. Cause it's like, he doesn't need to know because it's none of his business, right? Like, yes, because he has absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah, because you did this all on your own. And I think there's something that pettiness is can teach us. It's like we're like, oh, is it pit- petty? Like to have these thought patterns of wanting to like to es- essentially prove something, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think what that can teach us is the underlying lack of uh understanding or forgiveness maybe that we have for our past selves like you're Mm. like yes i was a hot mess look at all these ways that i'm no longer this thing that i am ashamed of or that you x taught me to be ashamed of you know i think so often we want to prove something to our exes because they they tried to teach us something about ourselves or that time of our lives we are we don't like looking back on or something yeah I think so the like the mind fuck that we can do if we really want like I I believe most in what Sam said, which is like try not to overanalyze this. <laughs> but if you want to, <laughs> if you want to overanalyze this or you know, if you want to dig deeper, you can you can say to yourself, you know what? I don't need to prove anything to my ex because I love and accept the person I was when I quote wasn't my best. I mm. am not that person anymore, but I also am. That all that too was me. This greatness is me, you know? Right. And I think I think that desire to quote prove yourself can sometimes reinforce those, you know, neg- negative thought patterns about ourselves. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The person that you were when he divorced you was just as lovable as the person that you are now, right? Mm. And and so practicing some some self love there and being that's like it. That's that person yeah. right like that person who i was also didn't deserve to be treated like shit and that person right. who i was um wasn't bad because she was struggling and she was uh hurting and she was unsure and anxious um like that person is also super lovable as lovable as this other person who is walking the appalachian trail right yeah and, and like, I want, go ahead. Practicing that self-love is important. We need to love our past selves as well. Like, even if we know that we're doing things wrong, like we do need to have compassion for the people that we were and the mistakes that we made and the the ways in which we weren't um, succeeding or thriving in the way that we are now. Mm. Yeah, totally. Uh, so we hope this clears things up for your, yeah. for your next little <laughs> shower, shower session. That was yeah, hard to that's say. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, PAB. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. We hope this helps, y'all. As a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscription 
subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to, like, take the trash out in them while also, like, staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. This next letter is coming to us from Anonymous Anonymous, who's writing from Cincinnati. Hello, I'm in the middle of what feels like an impossible situation and looking for another perspective. I'm a 26-year-old woman and have been married to my wife, Kate, for about two years. We met when we were 19, so have been together for essentially all of our adult lives. We built our lives up to this point together, and I am so deeply in love with her. Shortly before we got married, we decided to open our relationships. Almost immediately, I met an amazing woman, Anna, and long story short, Kate, Anna, and I decided to be in a closed triad. We moved in together at the start of COVID, and our lives have been totally intertwined over the past year and a half. Although there have been many difficult times, overall, I love the life that the three of us have built together and am incredibly happy in this relationship. Recently, Anna said that she has been feeling unhappy in the relationship and has realized that a poly relationship is not what she wants for her life. She wants to get legally married and eventually have kids with a partner in a monogamous relationship. Specifically, she wants all of this with me. I want all of this with her too, so badly. For the entirety of this relationship, I thought I would never leave Kate to be with Anna. But now I'm faced with this decision, though it isn't as clear-cut as I thought it would be. When I am totally honest with myself, I know that Anna is the one who makes me the happiest on a day-to-day basis. And she's the one I keep picturing my future with. For reference, Anna is not the wife. I had to like, you know. (laughs) It it can get confusing. Okay. Anna is not the wife. Um, When I met her, it was like this new part of me that lit up that I hadn't even known existed. And having felt that with her for nearly two years, 
I can't imagine never feeling that again. At the same time, I am so in love still with Kate. Logistically, it would be so much more difficult to end our relationship than it would be with Anna. Our relationship has the strength and stability of a nearly seven-year relationship. We've made some enormous life decisions together, and she's a huge part of who I have become in our time together. It destroys me to think of hurting her the way that it would if I chose to be with Anna instead. But deep down, I know that outside of all the logistical constraints and worries about what family and friends would think, I want to spend my life with Anna. Even though we all went into this relationship with the best intentions and knowing the risks involved, I can't stop but feeling like I'm just the absolute worst person if I choose to leave my wife to be with my new partner. Am I making a big mistake willingly giving up the wonderful life and relationship Kate and I have built together over the last seven years? If I choose to be with Anna, how do I get through losing someone who has been such a big part of my life for so long? Someone I still love so incredibly much and hurting her so deeply in the process. I feel paralyzed with guilt right now and sometimes can't believe this is a real situation that I've gotten myself into. Any words of advice or support would be so greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. All right, Anonymous, Anonymous. This is the biggest pickle. (laughs) And um, I guess... I think I just want to start by saying none of you, even though you said you went into this, like knowing what the risks were and you all went into this consensually, like nobody planned for this. (laughs) Nobody Mm -hmm. asked for this. Nobody would have asked for this. So I just want to like, I want to start our response with trying to lighten the load of guilt that you're already feeling yeah this is a this is a hard one (laughs) this Mm -hmm. is this is tricky and painful and and very easily anyone on the street could point fingers anyone could judge you know but none of you none of you asked for this none of you planned for this and i'm i know for a fact that you would have never I guess you would have never consciously wanted to be in this situation ever, right? You know? Yeah. Yep. So I want to relinquish you of this self-loathing, of this this guilt that you're feeling. You're not a terrible person. You're just in a, a terribly hard situation. Yeah, absolutely. And um and also recognizing that this is like your this will be if you choose to break up with Kate, like you're your first big adult breakup, right? Like the, with someone that you've built a life with and that you care for greatly. Um, and breakups are hard. They are just, there's no way about, there's no way to make them not hard. They just suck. They suck. If you're the one that's being broken up with, they suck. If you're the one that's doing the breaking up, they suck. If you have no one else, they suck. If you have someone in your life already, like they're just, they're just such horrible things because it is so difficult to hurt other people. It's yeah. it's just people a painful love. thing. Yeah, people we love and continue to love or have loved, whatever it is, like we have to hurt them. And that's yeah. and that's what we have to do when we break up with people. And I'm so sorry that you have to do that. And yeah. also we'll say that this is what breakups this is what they are. This is this is mm. how they function, is that they necessitate hurting someone which yeah which is just so which feels impossible sometimes you know like mm-hmm. like especially in this situation in a triad which by the way i wonder if we shouldn't just define i don't know how commonly known that term is i i know it and have known it for like 10 years because i used to work at a chiropractic office and there was like a triad couple who who <laughs> were oh. yeah and that's how i learned that word but i don't know what do you, is, do you think it's commonly known I mean, I think the word triad is is commonly known. Like, I think people know right. what that word means. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. And Sam. I feel like they can use context clues as to what like yeah. a triad with people okay. is. <laughs> all right, Spencer, you can erase all of this. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but okay, so like, especially in a triad, when you're literally looking at a partnership that is two other people that you love, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. to change this 
one of these people is going to get hurt. I mean, both of them, everybody, it's going to hurt everybody involved. And that's just, that is a fact of life. Um, You got to listen to this song, um, Weakness in Me by Joan Armitrading, covered by Melissa Etheridge. (laughs) It's so, (laughs) it's so good and so deeply, deeply painful. Well, it's Melissa Etheridge, so that (laughs) makes sense. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, it's about, you know, like being torn between two lovers. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so I, I, I think that, that, that like your instincts here are pretty clear, right? Like, like Anonymous Anonymous wants to be with Anna, the, the newer partner. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be what you want to do, Anonymous. I'm not going to tell you whether yeah. or not to break up with Kate because there's just not enough in this letter for me to like mm-hmm. make a decision for you. And you are the ex- you are the expert in your own experiences in this relationship. But we can talk to you about how, t- first of all, that you're not an awful person for, for doing this, right? Because right. People, people break up. People break up all the time. And two, we can talk to you about like, what does it look like to break up with someone? How does it, how do you actually do that? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, too, like the, the timing of all of this. I I, mm-hmm. I started by just acknowledging, like, it sounds like you want to be with Aunt Anna to echo, echo back the sentiments that you've shared with us. But I also want to acknowledge that this relationship has primarily unfolded in the strange times of COVID. Mm-hmm. And that... That is real. That has a real impact on people's lives and our perspectives. And I have no idea what impact it had on you and your relationships. But if you have time, I would say, like, sit with these feelings as long as you can. And as long as you can do it, like, without hurting yourself and your partners. Don't don't rush into anything because because it's a it's been a weird year. Um, I think that's just something that like when you're weighing these relationships and I don't know, I I just think that that has to be, if you have time, if you have leeway, like sit with these feelings, there's no right or wrong feeling. I think that you ultimately will want to be with Anna, but I have no idea. Um, just been a, just been a weird year. (laughs) And also like brain chemicals. Yeah, you're going to have yeah, yeah. way more brain chemicals for the person that you met two years ago than you're going to have for the person that you met seven years ago. So, yeah. um, but again, again, like, I don't feel like I have a, a, a place to say break up or don't break up. Um, just because Even, it's <laughs> despite the I'm name not of in our the, pod. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. Well, if you, if you were like, Kate yeah. threw me down a staircase, I'd be like, okay, well break up. Just I break think up. is the right option here. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. But like, this situation is so nuanced um, that that I don't feel equipped to be able to tell you what to do. But I will say to you that I trust you to make the right decision for yourself, right? Because yeah. you you know what to do in this situation. Um, and there's no wrong decision to make, right? There are only decisions in front of you. So So think about it. Do it in a way that feels authentic to you, that feels right to you. Trust yourself. Trust the way that you're feeling. Trust the people around you. Um, and know that you're going to make the right decision for you regardless, because it's the only decision that you're going to be able to yeah. make. And I'll add to this, like, like Sam said, we don't know what the inner workings of this are. So, like, I don't know how much I can. I don't know how much this can be applied. But upon first reading your letter, I, I was struck with remembering that, like, so much of relationships comes down to timing and compatibility. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm amazed that you met your wife at 19 and that you've been together for seven years. That's like pretty impressive for a relationship started at that age. Not that it can't happen. Um, not that it doesn't happen, but you know, long term relationships that are started young you have to acknowledge how much growth is going to happen over the next four decades, you know? Mm-hmm. And if the person that you you started to be together, like that you got together with at 19, is the same person that you are with at 30 and 35 and 40 and 55, you know, that means that that you have had, 
that you put work in. And you also had like a ton of luck that you guys grew together alongside each other. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't mean to like, I think it's, I think it's romantic, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, that, that it, it takes both like work and luck to make a long distance relationship or not long distance, uh, a long relationship lasts, especially during some of those crucial growing years. Right. Yeah, for sure. We, we grow all the time. I don't plan on being the same person in five years that I am right now, but those, the, tw- your twenties are such a time for self-discovery. Um, which is all to say, I guess I have like no <laughs> clear point except for just acknowledging that like, it is deeply, deeply painful that you might have been, that you might have grown out of this relationship, mm-hmm. grown past or beyond the connection that you have with Kate. Um, but again, echoing my original sentiments, you didn't plan for this. You didn't ask for this. You're not a bad person for for growing. You're not a bad person for changing your mind. Does it hurt? Yes. Do you feel bad? Probably for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, for um, a while. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, is it going to change everything? Yes. But we mm-hmm. are meant to change even when it hurts ourselves and others. This is a part of life. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that question that you ask of of how do I go through losing someone who's been my partner for this long, um, somebody who you love and hurting them in the process. Um, the reality is, is that you get through it. That's that's sort of it. There's nothing that we can do in life except for get through it. <laughs> like that sounds yeah. so so dark, but like that's that's really it. You know, in in those big moments where we know that big change and big hurt is going to happen or is happening, it can feel so daunting to be like, oh shit, this is going to define me for the next week or the next month or the next year. And at the same time, there's nothing we can do to forestall that from happening. There is nothing right. we can do to say, oh, I'm just going to skip this part, right? But but every day, every day, people get over breakups. Every day, people lose loved ones. Every day, people have horrible things happen to them, and they figure out a way to continue going on. And our, we are designed to do that. We are designed mm. to be adaptable. We are designed to be resilient to find ways to continue to survive and grow and love and be in partnership with people. So you're going to figure it out. I wish I could tell you how to do it in a way that doesn't cause pain, but that doesn't exist. It just, it's just the way of life that sometimes these big things happen and we just got to figure out how to get to the next day so we can get to the next week. So we can get to the next year. I just had a thought, um, Sam, I think that if this wasn't, triad relationship and it's if this instead was like i'm married and i have an i'm having intense emotions or i fell in i fall in love with someone i fell in love with someone else we i think in the in the past we've said end your relationship you know focus on the divorce the separation everything that comes with that the emotional separation you know take some time and then pursue this other relationship because you don't want to historically we've answered questions like that because like that because we don't want the divorce to be all about the other person it should be about you and your happiness or i don't know mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and i wonder where that falls here you know i just had this like epiphany of like even though it probably feels really good, maybe maybe you should finalize a divorce and and then when you feel more uh, less entangled, I don't know. It, it's hard because they are already entangled, all three of them. Yeah. No, I feel like I feel like that makes sense, right? Like dissolve the triad. Right. And then come back together as a couple. Right. Yes. Like, like don't leave the triad <clears throat> as a couple. Yes. Yeah. Don't just like cut this person off and like pretend like the relationship's gonna be the same. Like I agree that that if I were in the situation, I think a fresh start would be really important to me to say we need to because 
now, even if you remain in relationship with Anna, the rules are still different. Like the circumstances are completely different as well. And so you don't know what that's going to look like. And you're going to have to do what all people in relationship do, which is sort of like build up patterns of how we operate. And that's going to be hard if you're also, if you just pretend like, oh, all we did was just get rid of one of us, right? Like it's still the same relationship minus Kate. That's not going to, I don't think that that's going to be super helpful for you. So I don't know if you need to like take space away from each other, but I do think it's important for you and and Anna to figure out what it actually looks like for you to be in a couple and not in a triad. Yes, I agree. Thank you for taking my chunky thoughts and making them smooth like peanut butter. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) My my favorite type of peanut butter is smooth. So there we go. Oh my God. I love a chunky peanut butter. Ugh, no. <laughs> All right, anonymous, anonymous. Um, hang in there. I know this hurts already. I know this is confusing, um, and I know, like you said, this feels impossible. But we do the most impossible things every day, and Sam and I are rooting for your happiness. Thank Absolutely. You so much for writing. We love you. All right, our next letter comes from Betty J, who is writing from the Peach State. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I'm a 24-year-old cis queer woman, and I have always been very close to my family. However, lately I feel a tension in our relationship and within myself because I haven't come out yet. I have been avoiding serious relationships with other women because I've been too scared to Mm. come out, but I know that's not how I want to live my life anymore. The problem is that I don't know how to come out when my identity is still in flux. I've struggled to settle on a label for my sexuality, unsure if I'm bisexual or a lesbian. This is something that I'm okay with, but I don't know how to have a conversation about my sexuality with my parents when I don't know what word to use to start. I worry that my parents, who don't have any queer friends or a deep knowledge of queer identities, won't understand. I don't want my life and my experiences to turn into an argument or a lesson from Women's Mm. Studies 101. How can I have a conversation with my parents without feeling like my identity is up for dissection? Mm. How do I reckon with the desire to come out without feeling totally confident in an accurate label? Do you have any advice for queer people coming out to loved ones who grew up in a very different time and thus don't don't have a basic understanding of sexuality? Thank you for your podcast, The Laughs, and the care you offer to strangers around the world. With love, Betty. Mm, Betty, I love this question. Um, and also congratulations, just in like a general congratulation of feeling um, maybe ready to come out, you know, or like crossing mm-hmm. that threshold. Uh, I also love your letter for personal reasons. Um, I think that I struggle with those labels as well um, and have felt like trying to, I have in the past, I felt like I've wanted a label so that I could point other people to that label to help me make sense to them. You know, okay. I wanted, I wanted to point to bisexual so that, and then people would be like, ah, oh, you like men and women. And then, you know, internally I'm like, well, what about non-binary folks or, um, my trans trans partners or, you know, whatnot. And, but I think that that you have so eloquently touched on um, there's self-empowerment in finding a label, but Mm -hmm. for lots of other, for lots of folks, there's also, it's a, it's a map for other people and how they can love you, you know, Mm -hmm. a map to Mm -hmm. your identity. You know, it's, it gives people shared language so that they can feel like they understand you, especially loved ones. And I think that that is like the, an underlying um, thing about labels that it gives us that shared, you know, the thing we can point to on the map, like, ah, Mm -hmm. yes, Sam is a gay man. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I understand that. Mm -hmm, For sure. And I think that there's, um, there is an assumed right to understand too, right? Like, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. operate in the world, especially us white folks, especially us cis folks, especially straight folks that we like, get to walk through the world and have people explain their experiences and identities to us. And like, we have the right to understand those identities. Mm. Um, And I, I don't say that to vilify your family, but I do say that to say like, I think that you're justified in, in fearing that you're going to be up for dissection if you come to them without a lot of clarity. Right. Right. 
right? And that's daunting. That is really challenging to say to that to say that kind of thing to people, right? Mm. There are aspects of my identity that I don't talk about to people a lot because I'm like, I don't want to answer your questions about this. Like, this is just not for you to know. Totally. <laughs> like, and okay. that can be really frustrating when you're also trying to be seen by the people that love you, right? And be seen for your full self and and who you are and your identity. So I all that to say that, like, you're really valid in your concern yeah. about this, right? And that it is a situation that is really frustrating and and is daunting. So um, it's not impossible for sure, but it is, I, I just want to affirm that what you're feeling isn't like overreacting or ridiculous. Right. It is like a very real thing to be in the situation and have these feelings about wanting this clarity so that you don't have to answer a lot of these questions. Right. Totally. I wonder, um, I think that that uh, Betty touched on something else um, that is bigger than coming out, bigger than queerness. Um, The intersection of wanting to be understood, but also that sometimes that attempt at, at, at being known makes us vulnerable to using Betty's word dissection, you know, Mm -hmm. that like to, to be known authentically and deeply is also, you know, rolling over to someone else's critiques or um, Mm -hmm. uh, mishandlings of our most, our deepest, most authentic selves, you know, and how do we navigate and also like uh, backing up just a little, the, the exhaustion of explaining yourself, like not wanting Mm -hmm. to, not wanting to turn it into a lesson where, because because Betty knows that Betty's lived experience is malleable and can and contains so much more than one word or or a or a weird I don't know lesson on on sexual desires <laughs> yeah. and uh, identities yeah. you know like it feels exhausting and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. I think one of the things that you can do with your family is recognize that you can tell them some of the things that you told us about, about your feelings about this, right? Can you, can you be vulnerable and say, I want to tell you about something. I know that I'm attracted to women. I don't know what that means for me in my identity. And I don't want to answer a lot of questions about it, but I'm telling you this because I want you to know me. Right. And put mm. some, Boundaries around what's up for discussion, what's not up for discussion, and invite them into supporting you in that way, right? It Ask them for help in not being super invasive with their questions or not dissecting your identity, right? And being upfront with what you want from them so that they can adequately meet you. If they don't, you know, they might not, right? Like, we're all humans and, like, we're not super good at actually, like, helping and supporting each other. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> But I think that that might be a way to like cut off at least some of the 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 conversation that might happen, and it's something you can go back to when when that happens, right? You can say, "Hey, remember when I asked for you to to not ask me these types of questions, or for you to support me in this way while I figure things out? Um, can we do that together? Because I mm. I'm feeling like I don't want to to answer these questions. Whatever it is that." that reminds them of the boundary that you placed and invites them to uphold that boundary in partnership with you tends to be a way that you can like get people to, to support you without, you know, being forceful about it or like being mean about it, even though you are being forceful because you're asking for what you need. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, And I, I thought of something else that is personal to me and I, and I truly, I don't know if this applies to you or not, but I also always felt like I owed people an explanation about my queerness. I needed to have that word bisexual or lesbian or straight because I felt like I needed to be understandable. (laughs) You know, like I felt like, I felt like it was my, it was like an act of love and care that I needed to be palatable and um, not confusing to the people who mm-hmm. loved me. But yeah, that was real. actually an, at least in my circumstance, that was an over assumption. Like, 
Um, for example, married to a woman. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, my the majority of my extended family, like cousins, aunts, and uncles, didn't know uh, because because I lived out of state, wasn't particularly close with all of them, even though we have like a close, huge, monstrous family, um, you know, didn't see them enough to let them know that I had been dating folks of all genders for my entire dating existence, you know, that Mm -hmm. they didn't know that about me. But, and when I would think about it, I would think that they needed a story. They needed an explanation of like, what? When did you, what, when did this happen? You know, that's how I imagined it going down in my head. Um, But nobody's asked, (laughs) nobody, and this is my family again. So like, I know that we're, we're dealing with different things, but like, I assumed that people would want to, uh, that I would, that me and my existence would confuse people a lot more than it actually did. Um, Mm -hmm. I, again, I don't know how this applies to your family, but the takeaway would be, your existence, like, don't assume that you're going to confuse people or don't assume mm. that people will need to an explanation of your existence. They might, but a lot of times they will just accept you as is because they love you. Mm-hmm. Broad statement there. Take it with a grain of salt in your own personal situation. But I was doing like a lot of over anxious, over planning to explain myself and I just really didn't have to. Yeah, I think that's super real. I have told people things about my own identity and they, <laughs> yeah. like I've been like do you want do you want to ask it and then like they don't. So yeah, like that yeah. might also like <laughs> might be it might be um much easier than you're anticipating it going to be. Yeah. Um and the the other thing I would add to that too is that like I would encourage you to to see their questioning as kindness, right? They are asking questions because they want to know more about you. They think that want to, they think that fully understanding you is going to help them be supportive of you. Yes. So, that, and recognize, we know that that, that that doesn't always match up. No, <laughs> right. We know that minds, that's like yeah, yeah. That's maybe not the best way to handle it. But like, remember that 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 what they're trying to show you is kindness. And support in asking you questions so that they can understand you. Um, to to maybe when they when that might come up, take some of the edge off it. But again, I think if you can be really clear about how they can support you, they might then not then make that assumption that the questions are the way to do that. So yeah, again, if you can enlist them in supporting you by not asking questions in the beginning, um, I think that that might do that might go a long way to to help. Yeah. To help them know how to show up for you and and know that asking questions about it isn't actually the thing to do. And Betty, I'm actually sitting here remembering that the first time I came out to my dad, I said, I didn't use a label. I said, I don't think I'm straight. (laughs) That that was, I used the antithesis of that label, you know, like the open-endedness of anything that's opposite of straight, you know? Um, Yeah. And the last thing I want to touch on, oh, go ahead, Sam. No, yeah, you could also just you could also just say I am in I am into women, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how I came out the first time was that I was like I like boys, right? Yeah. And so like it wasn't I wasn't gay, I wasn't bisexual, I wasn't anything. I just knew that I liked boys and told people about it. So yeah. like you can do that too. Like I know that I'm attracted to women. End of story. No further questions needed. <laughs> like yeah. that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, and. The last thing I want to say is, you know, Sam and I are operating under the assumption or hope perhaps is the better word that your family is loving and kind and is uh, that they are going to meet you where we want them to meet you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But the last thing I'll leave you with is before you enter in this conversation, Make sure that you're checking in with yourself, that you are checking in with that inner child or whatever you need to do to fill up that reservoir of self-love because your identity, even if you debate it, even if you are asked about it, even if you you, you feel like your, your identity is being dissected on the operating table of your family drama, you know, your mm-hmm. identity is yours. It is untouchable. It is undebatable, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that it does not rely 
And this goes out to all my queer folks who don't feel gay enough or who don't feel straight enough or who, you know, aren't, aren't, who are too androgynous to be um, one or the other or, you know, the mm-hmm. non-binary folks who are too femme or who, who are too butch to be non-binary, you know. Your identity is not validated by other people. It is something that is validated inside by yourself saying, this is me. I am real. I exist like this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I make myself real. I -hmm. make myself queer. Yes, absolutely. All right, Betty J. Sam and I love the fuck out of you. (laughs) We really do. (laughs) And and we wish you all the best. We we hope it goes Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, everyone. This brings us to the blind date segment of our show. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. And this week, we're going to send you home with... Okay, so it's a musician. Um, so I'm sending you home with the musician in general, but also his album that dropped this week. Um, so his name is J.P. Sachs. Um, and I was first introduced to J.P. Sachs like mm, six months before we started the podcast three years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. J.P. is a fan of poetry. So I met him through the poetry community and we 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 actually went on tour together because we were opening up for uh, to write Love on Her Arm speaker. And J.P. Sachs is a such a talented musician like it was such a privilege to like get to know him and go on tour with him and like and he played some music behind my poems a couple times he's just one of those musicians who is like so musically talented but also his lyricism is really great and jp is we he was gonna be like our second ever just break up guest but uh his sound check ran long so we had to like do you remember that a thousand Mm -hmm. years ago Mm Yeah, yep. uh, he was performing in St. Paul. And now, honest to God, he is too famous for us to <laughs> book on the show. So there was like a cool, I got to like meet him right before he um, saw uh, all the success that he's seen right now. So um, the biggest reason why, honestly, other than the fact that like his new album just came out and I want to support him, the biggest, biggest reason why he's going to be my blind date for today is that I have always wanted to introduce him to the Just Breakup listeners because he writes the best fucking relationship songs and he has um he's an amazing lyricist like they're just like if i ever god forbid go through a fucking breakup again and have to (laughs) have to a break up with like go through a breakup and b date again Uh (laughs) like i am gonna listen to his music because it's um he had his heart broken (laughs) like in the worst possible way and then wrote like amazing music about it (laughs) and it's just like the perfect uh fucking breakup music also he's trying to move away from that because like now he's in love again and he obviously doesn't want to like write about his exes all the time right right also fun fun fact trivia that i can get into because this is like our shortest episode in 72 years so (laughs) short (laughs) fun fact trivia jp Sachs is um dating julia michaels do you know that is Okay, well, she's like a pop pop star, pop singer, songwriter, um, and she just came came out with a amazing fucking song um, called "All Your Exes" or something like that. And mm. the hook is like, "I want to live in a world where all your exes are dead." <laughs> oh my god! And it's, well, but it's it's so funny because it's like. It, she's referencing JP like and that because uh-huh. he writes all these you know he, she's like you know the ones that you write all your songs about and <laughs> and and I think she you know she intentionally touches on okay now I'm talking about Julia Michaels she intentionally touches on like the the crazy thoughts we have that are totally irrational because like our exes all have lives before or I mean our partners have lives before us it's impossible mm-hmm. not to you know so she like kind of t- taps into that um irrationality I should say <laughs> yeah anyway um they also so like you might know him from the song um if the world was ending that was really popular last year no nothing 
And we haven't been out all year. I, I live under I live under a rock now. I'll like I literally a, know nothing. <laughs> I'll send you that song because it was really popular during COVID year. Um, and they do edit it. Anyway, this is all to say um, JP Sachs has a new album out. It's called Dangerous Levels of Introspection. You can find it on Spotify. Follow him on Instagram, all those things. But my biggest thing is is a song that's not on the album. Go listen to 25 in Barcelona. Um, I just love his lyricism. I love the stuff pre this album and this album itself. So the, again, JP Sachs, find him on Spotify. Awesome. <laughs> a 45 minute blind date plus like a weird dating story. You know, <laughs> I'm all over the place. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Half of it's like on crazy sale right now. Check Mm -hmm. it out. Um, And tickets to our live show happening Saturday, July 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Please remember to hit that follow button so that you can get a new episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash just break up. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend, Spencer Worth Davis. And remember, it is impossible to please everyone. You cannot make everyone happy. In fact, disappointing others is guaranteed and mandatory for living an authentic life. We're not talking about being cruel or mean or intentionally rude, but we cannot avoid this. All we can do is do our best to learn and listen and treat others with respect and compassion. But beyond that, we cannot control how people feel. And if all else fails, just break up.